Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and this is our Ohio State Reformatory Special. Unfortunately, we're not at the reformatory because we had to set up up there, but uh, I will be doing a pre-record so that we can run the reformatory special with the guests that are going to be popping into the booth and talking to us. Some of them are fairly well known if we can get that to pull off, so I encourage everybody to actually listen to the pre-record that we're going to send over to Donald, um, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit tonight, actually. So the Ohio State Reformatory starts tomorrow morning morning they're going to be running from 10 a.m to 6 p.m i encourage everybody to run up there a little bit about who's going to be there we got an incredible lineup to be frankly honest with you guys we have chip coffee steve gonzalez amy bruni daniel claus uh paul Pessoa, and gavin kelly are going to be there adam bennett the mountain gypsy sharon break mike um Rossiker. Mike's a great guy, by the way. Stop by his booth. He's very well known for his books and a very intelligent man. David Reno, Mark Nesbitt's going to be there. A lot of other vendors, by the way, including Tri-C Ghost Hunters are going to be out there. We've actually got um, a couple of radio stations that are going to be digital radio stations that are out there, including uh, 22 themselves. And for those of you that don't know about that, uh, 22 Paranormal Podcast has been around for Got almost nine, ten years now, I think, in total. They've had some very famous guests on. They've written several books. They're actually out of Toledo themselves, which um, are outstanding people. A friend of mine, Don Danger Collins, which I was going to have on tonight, but unfortunately I'm running behind from French Paranormal, is going to be there as well. Stop by his booth, say hi to him. French Paranormal is an excellent bunch of people. Just a phenomenal cast of people. Uh, NICAM is actually going to be out there, and GhostSight is going to be out there for a period of time. WCGT, the external radio station, which will be recording the pre-record for BBS, is going to be out there. We've got a big BBS banner that's sitting behind us, so everybody knows exactly who BBS Radio is. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. Those of you that don't know that don't come from here in Ohio, the Ohio State Reformatory is a prison that has been around for over 80 years now, it is housed some of the most famous prisoners in the world. It filmed with Shawshank Redemption. Um, famous people actually have been there, from Willie Nelson to Johnny Cash, serving time there and moving on to other prisons. It's got an incredible history. One of the people that they talk about at Shawshank Redemption, actually, which was the Birdman, was actually housed at the Ohio State Reformatory. He spent many, many times through a nice little cold window actually because it was open but a little hole where the birds would come in feeding the birds every day eventually he ended up having birds at the top of the reformatory they let him take care of them it's an amazing little story there if you're ever in the area i actually encourage you to spend time um, going through the tour they'll take you through everything tell you about the warden tell you about the prisoners and the whole history there amazing building by the way we're talking about three to four stories of prison cells themselves uh, there's an extraordinary large chapel that's filmed many, many movies. Um, there is actually a basement area most people don't get to go to, but we've been there and filmed there four times now. 
There's the guard houses, which again, nobody gets a chance to tour, but we've actually filmed there several times for several television shows. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to go. Uh, I, I'm going to announce something else just so that everybody is aware in the opening of the show. BTCHN Bitchinware uh, is actually going to do its debut at Ohio State Reformatory. Bitchinware will actually have a website here called bitchin.com, bitchinware.com here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to have some unique stuff from the paranormal and beyond. So we're actually going to be having some wonderful shirts that uh, are actually quite humorous that put on a lot of things from politics to paranormal to the more serious avenues in a lighthearted way to not only have fun television or fun shirts, not really television, although bitching is going to be a podcast and television show just so that you guys are aware. Um, but it, it's a wonderful set of wear cups, uh, cozies. We've got lampshades and lamps. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary thing that I want everybody to take a look at in more detail as we're running out there. Um, because it's personally a passion of mine. A lot of my artwork is going into it. And it's going to be a real fun affair. Uh, Bitchin', the television show, will be actually start. We're going to start filming this summer. Now, just so that everybody is aware, you're used to me doing the logical. And I encourage you to come to the seminars. I'm not speaking at the Ohio State Reformatory, but I will be speaking in Chicago here in another two weeks if everything works well at Hunt the Town. You can look at my site there. Uh, and I speak at a lot of other things on the logical avenues and the educational avenues of the paranormal to promote the books that are coming out here soon. Um, but uh, bitching is going to be a little bit different. So everybody get prepared for a humorous, educational, fun situation. The reason I went this route, to be honest with you, is there's entirely too much seriousness when it comes to the paranormal community. Uh, and I don't mean anything wrong by that for the investigators and everybody that's out there. But the reality is there's a lot of uptightness going on. And what better way to have fun with everything than for people to have a release to watch, understand, a little bit of education in between, and have some absolutely hilarious moments. We're going to be moving beyond the paranormal, obviously, when we cover a lot of other things as well. So you're going to see some humor, humorous punts on politics, humorous punts on you name it, it's probably going to be there. And it's also going to have some education behind it so that you can see some of the science involved in the paranormal and beyond, so that you can see some of the realities of how you can get into real politics, so that you can see some of the realities of social media, so you can see all of this other stuff. And we're going to, it's going to be a blast. Um, I'm not going to give much more to that, but a lot of you have seen podcasts. Uh, some of them have gotten pretty famous. Um, and uh, we're going to be the next set of generation to that. So we're going to kind of go on to that level. We're going to get some pretty famous guests to participate from time to time. We are actually in the process of looking into building a studio to do so, so that we can have the guests come in. Um, and we're going to actually share a lot of this with BBS and Donald eventually and have him get involved so he can work about the work into uh, how to get the podcast out to multiple different areas, how to do the uh, – ins and outs there and so forth on top of paranormal truth and reality. The reason behind all of this and the reason I'm talking about it is just so that everybody knows really you can have a serious side, but it's always fun to have the other side as well. 
And it's always fun to joke around about that. It's always fun to let loose on that. You don't have to make fun of individual teams and individual people. You don't have to destroy them on social media. You don't have to destroy all of all of the silly nature that goes on. But you can have a nice comedic 30 to 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, where you throw in a little bit of education, do a few silly things in between, have a couple of punts where you have a few actors coming in and, and uh, really have a blast with it. And that's the ultimate goal of Bitch and Wear. It's the ultimate goal of Bitch and TV. And uh, it's a reversal of what you're used to with Paranormal Truth and Reality. Now, of course, we're still going to be keeping the reality of Paranormal Truth and Reality. We're still going to be talking about the education. We're still going to be teaching you a little bit about that. And we're going to be talking about that on many, many occasions. We have a wonderful, wonderful set of people coming up. Um, uh, Mr. Lowry is going to come in. Mr. Lowry actually has been on the Travel Channel quite recently with Monster Hunters. I've got a couple of people from Ghostbait that are going to be coming in here short, uh, soon. We've got uh, a few people from, that are from the Ghost Hunters team that are going to be coming on the air. I have a wonderful announcement here in three weeks about an actor who's quite fascinated with the paranormal. In fact, he's done a few shows himself outside of science fiction that has taken the wonderful time to spend an hour with us here on BBS talking about his amazement with the paranormal. Really great guy. All of you will know exactly who I'm talking about when you see that. And I have a few um, fairly well-known physicists that have worked on some black projects and a few other things that are coming on here. Uh, so we're going to be educating you on a lot of amazing, amazing things. Now, what are we going to be doing tomorrow? Well, I told you about Ohio State Reformatory. We're actually going to be doing live broadcasts throughout the day on WCGT. We're going to do a pre-recorded live broadcast for one hour with BBS Radio so that we can introduce some of these stars and a few other people that are hopefully going to be there, providing they can manage to make the time. I've spoken to several of them, and I'll be introducing myself to the others. We're going to have a couple of books and authors that are just going to pop in and say hi um, throughout the next two days. And we're going to combine all of that into a nice little piece to promote BBS and, of course, to promote uh, Paranormal Truth and Reality and talk a little bit about the uh, community itself, which is going to be fun. Um, we're going to take the time to uh, educate a little bit throughout the day while we're selling our product. We're going to be showing you the official launch of NICAM with Joel Myers that's going to be out there. There's about – currently NICAM is a very small business, so there is a, a back order list um, that will happen. There's about two to $3,000 worth of product that's going to be at Ohio State Reformatory tomorrow. I do encourage you to come up, buy the cameras, see them demonstrated. He's going to have a little area with some monitors. Uh, by the radio station and by the shirt station. He's going to be able to show you the demonstration units. Uh, there's going to be a wonderful couple of laser lights out there. Hopefully we can do a little bit of a laser light show uh, and have a little bit of a blast with that. And uh, we're going to spend some time actually talking to uh, a lot of paranormal teams. There's an amazing amount of paranormal teams that are going to be out there. Um in addition to that, we're going to have a little bit of fun and some activities. And as promised last week, I am going to give you the word of the day. Now, I'm going to mention this several times throughout the broadcast. I've told everybody to tune in tonight so that you can hear that word of the day. Come to the booth for WCGT, BBS Radio, and uh, Bitchin' Wear, 
and mention the word, and you're going to get a free gift on me. And it's going to be a fascinating gift just so that you guys know it's not one of my books. It's not one of my little itty-bitties. We're going to give you something that's really cool. So the word of the day is education. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to come up to the booth and say, hey, I heard you on BBS radio, and the word of the day is education. The first five people to do that from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Saturday will receive a gift, and the next five on Sunday that come back and say that will receive a gift. So you got to make sure that you're first in line at the Ohio State Reformatory. You take the tour, and you pop up at the booth, and you say, I heard you on BBS radio, and the word of the day is education. Once you do that, I'm going to put your little gift together. It's going to be an amazing little thing, so make sure that you do pop into the booth. It's going to be a fun, fun situation. Now, let's start getting into education a little bit, and we'll start talking about the real show. Now that we've got all of that out of the way, we talked about Ohio State Reformatory. I had the wonderful privilege last week of spending some time at Benton Farms with some very, very amazing people. Um, and I'll give you the list of those people here shortly. But we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversation. David Lowry was there. Uh, Barry Gaunt was there. David Spinks was there. Several other people on Barry's team were there. And we had a turnout from some pretty interesting people, even though it was very small. I do encourage you, by the way, if you're in Kentucky, go to Benton Farms. If you're an investigator, make sure that you go to Benton Farms. It's very low cost for, um, for five to six people to show up there. Wonderful place. They got activity all weekend long. I won't discuss that a little bit, but I'm going to be going back there myself uh, because it's a wonderful, wonderful, exciting place to go, actually, to be frankly honest with you. But um, we talked a lot about the paranormal itself. A lot of the questions that came up were very, very in-depth from the psychology of history all the way out to what you believe the paranormal is. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit of detail today, just so that you know. The paranormal itself works in many, many different avenues, uh, not just what most people assume. Now, me as an educator, I spend a lot of time going out throughout the community. And I want to be honest with you, the community in a lot of ways has lost their way. They think the paranormal is going out and hunting ghosts, going out with goggles and looking for UFOs going out in the middle of the woods with a handful of equipment and some deer cameras and hunting Bigfoot. Here's the reality. That's the, that, that's the fun thrill-seeking. That's not what the paranormal is all about. The paranormal touches base with wonderful people like John DeSalvo, which I, I encourage you guys to look up. He's an archaeologist. He's been a college professor for many, many years, has his own podcast now, works on Mana TV, has their own television show along with George and a few other people. Fascinating guy, but he spent his life trying to combine the truth of the fact that there is both archaeological finds and historic finds and paranormal aspect to this. As an example, we all know about the hieroglyphs in Egypt. Um, and, of course, we all know about some of the ancient uh, inscriptions and the Maya temples and things along that. But were you aware that this goes beyond this? For instance, Eastern, East Africa. The artifacts from East Africa, some of them are undetermined. When you go past Easter Island and you start going into Great Britain, if you start digging a little bit deeper into the tombs of the Templars, you find a lot of little artifacts that are not only unexplained, but sometimes go beyond what you have in reasoning. On top of this, you start looking at the 
Shakirian temples, I do believe. There are several other temples. You'll find that the temples not only are complex pieces of artwork, but they're evenly cut, placed in specific areas, designed mathematically to sit in specific ways. And during those periods in time, it would be almost impossible to chisel off those particular pieces of thing, of brick, uh, artwork, and so forth. Uh, were you also aware that certain things that were lost in time are still operational? Most people don't know about the Roman Greek clock. The clock was actually uncovered billions of years later. It's a mechanism itself that they believe is an early computer designed to calculate mathematical time of how the sun rotates around the earth for best times for crops and so forth. Now, that was paranormal for the longest time because all we saw were a bunch of gadgets and couldn't figure out how somebody would have that logic there. The, um, there are perfectly rounded stones in archaeology, perfectly rounded stones, by the way, that we have came up with scientific theories on exactly why those are perfectly rounded, but they became paranormal before that, and they're still paranormal today because some of those theories wouldn't add up to being totally logical. Let's go beyond science a little bit. We started talking about alien abduction and space travel through Benton Farms. Again, uh, an abductee that was there, and forgive me, Barry, if you're listening to this, but I do not remember his name right off the bat, is a very fascinating individual. And he was talking a little bit about how his abduction story went, where the aliens decided to tell him they were taking him, how long it was going to take, and so forth. During this process, we had a young girl that was a Physicist, amazingly, believe it or not, and she had some extraordinary questions that revolved around how you can calculate the math, the time travel, the distance, and how that would actually equate into the situation. Here's the reality of situations. A lot of times you're going to run into many, many paranormal people, including the abductee, that um, they have very well-educated levels, but they haven't had the chance to study quantum physics and physics themselves. Now, physics can explain a lot of how we can travel. Unfortunately, unless you use wormhole theory or a mathematical theory that bends time and space itself. And as an example, just so that people know, how a wormhole works is the easiest way to explain it is if you're listening tonight, take a piece of paper, fold the piece of paper. Now, before you fold the piece of paper, take a look at it flat. The paper from one end to the other takes a distance for your hand to get from one area to the other. Fold it in a nice, even fold. Now your fingers are touching each other. Poke a hole through that, and that's what a wormhole is. A wormhole physically bends time and space so that it's easy to travel from point A to point B. Unfortunately, they're very unpredictable, and there's a couple of theories on how a wormhole advances from point A to point B and why it's there. Originally, we thought that it was logging onto or latching onto a planet itself, and that some physical effect was allowing it to pull things inward. It does pull everything in in the black hole, by the way, just so that you're aware. However, it's more punching a hole, which there's several quantum physics theories involved in that, mathematics and so forth. So in order to do this, you either have to create and collapse a wormhole, or you have to travel in a wormhole to do it very fast. Now, physicists have deemed it will take exactly this many years to get from point A to point B. And physicists have also deemed that during certain situations, you can actually shorten that period in time. But how would the human body itself react? 
That's a very good question. Depending on your situation, the human body couldn't do that. But during certain stasises, fields, and so forth, it could be plausible to slow that down so that the human body could physically last for a number of years. Those are some of the things we were getting into in time and space travel. Uh, we were also discussing implants as an example, being organic and so forth. Now, we advanced past this actually to paranormal theory eventually because the question kept coming up, do you believe that everything is still connected? And most of us will say yes in one way, shape, or form. Now, I'll get into my theory on how everything is connected here in a little while, but let's take a few steps back. Um, Mr. Lowry had the first part of the speech. David actually talked in, de in, in depth detail about uh, what he was looking to do in the scientific area. Um, and I'm going to touch base on this a little bit. I encourage you to read the book when it comes out. There's a scientist from 1972 to early 1982 that spent 10 years of his life tracking down audio frequencies and recording the independent variables of those frequencies to figure out if we had any levels where maybe these EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, um, and all of the other theory that's out there is coming through. Um, and though his research wasn't finished, he spent a lot of time looking at what we like to call dead air frequency. Um, for instance, if you're monitoring a radio or television broadcast, you have basically broadcasts, people that broadcast on certain frequency levels, and this is where they are, this is where you find them, this is how we can tune into them because they're separated in different areas and so forth. But while you're going through this, you also have static, a static frequency that hasn't been assigned, nobody's broadcasting on it at that period of time. People know it's there, and that's how you can advance a radio wave. Um, theoretically, the only thing you should get on that particular frequency is what we like to call static. Other people call it white noise, noise levels, static noise, and so forth. Basically, what you're going to hear is or so forth because there's nothing there. It's just static wave. Um, now, if you tune into that static wave and you capture something, that means that either A, somebody's tapping into that static wave and they know it's there and they're utilizing that, or nothing should be there in the first place. Now, if you're getting direct communication on that static wave when you're carrying on a conversation and you don't have a device in front of you that can tap into that static wave itself yourself, for instance, a CB, a walkie-talkie, advanced radio station signal, uh, they all have ways of tapping into these different signals, different waves and so forth, different channels. If you don't have any of that, but you're tuning into that, and you're saying, hi, my name is Chris, how are you? Well, I'm totally fine, Chris, how are you? Well, what the heck just happened? Because they shouldn't be picking me up, but they're responding on a dead static wave signal. If I continue to carry on that conversation, say, can you tell me who you are? Yeah, I'm your Uncle Bob. Okay, that's strange because Uncle Bob passed away six years ago. Those are the things that we were looking for originally that now people have mistaken through words like ITC. By the way, ITC ends transcommunicational um, signal is a made-up term just so everybody understands. ITC is a made-up term. 
People wanted to explain all these different things because people were studying televisions, they were studying telephones, they were studying this. People put together cycle through spirit boxes. It's a long story. But they wanted to break this down, so they called it ITC instead of EVP and audio engineering. All of it is audio theory based off of audio engineering. Plain and simple, there is no independence. <laughs> um, we discuss, started to discuss a couple of other things that were fascinating as well. Mr. Spinks, uh, which has been on the Travel Channel quite recently, he was doing Monster, uh, Unidentified Monster Quest. I don't know the name of the show. I apologize, David, if you're listening right now. I probably should know the name of the show because I watched it right before I met him um, on demand. But um, extraordinary man. He was talking about that experience. Before that, he'd been on a couple of TV shows about his personal experience which most of you, if you read his book, and I encourage you to look him up, David Spinks, get the book itself. You'll go, oh, okay, I remember the story on TV. The book is different, but it's the true story. Okay, that's really awesome. He bought into a haunted house uh, that he's planning on doing something with this. I think uh, I'd, I'd love to help him on. Um, basically, what he's planning on doing is setting up the recorders, the testing levels, and so forth, and trying to see if he can pick up all this for scientific gain and value. And, of course, he and I talked in great detail about that. I explained how I do things. Most listeners here know how I do things and how you'll see me doing things. But it was a fascinating situation because now he's got a home. Hey, I'd like to participate in that. I'd love to help him out. This home has actually got a unique history around it. We'll get into more detail on that a little bit later. I won't share that now. It's in a cross shape. It has a, um, a burial source just below it. There is some history to the individual and um, the cult that was there at the home before the residents bought it. Uh, it is very, very active to my understanding. They have caught videos on the situation with doors opening and closing, things flying across the room and so forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's an amazing, amazing situation that um, everybody got a chance to learn a little bit more about. Now, they carried on an investigation. Unfortunately, I could not carry on the investigation because I had a three-hour trip home, and I had to plan for the Ohio State Reformatory this weekend. Um, but uh, they say that it was very, very active. Um, so that's a little bit of a back history there on what we discussed. So what did I have a speech on the same speech that I actually have many, many times. You guys will hear a little bit about this, but I talked about the reality of the paranormal. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more now, but we're going to talk about the historical side of this because this is the first book that you're going to see coming out in roughly about 1773, we started paranormal study. Now you're thinking, what? 1773? No, we didn't. It actually dates back previous to that to many, many other people that fall into Greek history and so forth. But 1773, we started to put together a religious aspect to the paranormal community. When we did this, we based it off of uh, King Henry and several other people who earlier than that, in the early, I believe, 17th century, might have been right around that period in time, I'd have to look at my notes, had started to combine religion with demons, the devil, and witchcraft. Now, scientists were wearing a little bit further off of that. At the time, he was calling it daemonology, which uh, 
later on, thanks to Ed Warren and several other people, ended up shortening down to demonology. We'll get into that detail here in a minute on the actual truth of what demonology is. But uh, they had believed in some hair-witted ideas that you could combine black magic, magic, and God together, and you could not only uh, cast out demons, but you could control angels, and that you could hunt down these people that were worshiping the devil, and you could uh, do all kinds of magnificently, wonderfully beautiful things on behalf of God. Now, this is not a religious conversation, so we're not going to get into all of that, but basically it was a bunch of hoo-boo-joo-boo, mumbo-jumbo crap. <laughs> because that's not the way it really works. At the time, that's the way faith advanced, and that's the way people believe. After this period in time, they started to do some very unusual things um, that we won't get into a little bit, but Harvard University's early studies, as well as several other uh, universities' early studies, Harvard, Yale, and so forth, throughout England and the surrounding areas, had advanced the paranormal study while we had several other people in the 1800s and 1900s start looking at the more logical approaches in scientific communities to what happens in the human brain. Now, I don't know if anybody knows anything about prehistoric science and medical science, but here's basically what was going on in prehistorical medical science. In order to deem the medical body, which was considered against God for many, many years, in fact, if you look at it, most people said God would heal you and medicine wouldn't, we advanced from that to medical science. Early medical science was condemned, and then eventually we found out that it was here. We started to apply this, but we were still very, very primitive. So a lot of things in dome environments were discussed by other medical professionals to see how the brain interacted with the body. Now, we didn't do this many times on live hosts, but we would do this on near-death hosts. We would do this on people that were ready to pass away and so forth, including drilling holes into the brain, electroshock to see if we could bring the body back and resurrect the dead and so forth. Uh, these were all paranormal situations that were called fringe science at the time. Um, this advanced into more unique settings as we found out the electrical current, as an example, couldn't bring the body back, but it did have stimulus effect and in return could be used for other things. Enter Nikola's Tesla. Um, very fascinating situation. We won't get into the Tesla files too much. Most of you have heard about them before, but Nikola's Tesla realized that all energy has an aspect and all energy can be used in that aspect of electricity. You can not only communicate with it, decipher signal, you can transfer great distances as you use the ground as a rod, you can power massive areas, you can have light in a home. There's a lot of fascinating things that Mr. Tesla worked out in that. Um, it also, believe it or not, during the paranormal situation, Alexander Graham Bell was a, was a very brief and interesting person into early paranormal science. Again, we learned communications by guessing about signal variable and how to broadcast that across distances. Before it was logical, it was paranormal. Um, so there's a lot of fascinating things there. I could talk many, many years about that, but it uh, looks like we're probably – confusing the crap out of you. Let's get back into some basics. When we started to get into this, we started to advance theory. We started to debunk a lot of things because we found in the 1800s to early 1900s, a lot of immigrants came into America and the surrounding countries. And we had the early depression here, which meant that, you know, a lot of people simply couldn't eat. They had to find ways around it. There were a lot of roaming camps that were moving around from gypsies to average Americans and so forth. 
and we needed to figure out ways for income. So a lot of the old traditions combined with new traditions, and we came up with what we called mentalist techniques that fed off of the rich a lot of times. This is where you started to see crystal balls. This is where you started to see tea leaf readings. This is where you started to see, uh, believe it or not, the advancement of card readings today. Okay, It was an early science. People read cards for many, many years. People read tea leaves for many, many years. People read bones for many, many years. However, the early community of mentalism picked up on this. Now, we advanced with this to some pretty amazing feats, including spitting up ectoplasm, tipping tables, uh, a lot of other things. And that's right. Yes, community, I said tipping tables. I know a lot of you people believe in tipping tables, but tipping tables has nothing to do with the ghost. It's the power and energy of the mind, how you transport it, and who puts their fingers on the table. This is just logical science. If you actually look it up and you apply it, you will find out that that's the case. Um, early mentalism knew this was the case, so it was utilized in a lot of ways with what we call predictive word and observation. One thing that most people don't know is all the way back into early times and early religions, you could use predictive words with observation in order to control situation. I teach this, by the way, in mentalism. I've done three books uh, on marketing mentalism. The fourth book is going to come out to the public called Outstanding Marketing Mentalism and How to Utilize That to Better Your Life. Basically, what it is is through key observation in the individual and using key words, you not only can help an individual realize where they're going and what they're looking to utilize by or even sell, you can actually control the conversation and the situation around you. Now, I know that sounds very complicated, but it's been used in sales and it's been used in many, many things, including politics, media, and television for many, many years. All you have to do is know how to observe, control, watch, react, and use, use certain word phrases. At that point, the person will follow you. They will understand you. They will relate with you. And 99% of the time, they will agree with you. This has been used in motivational speaking for many, many years. It was used in the mentalist community before that. Still is today. Add that with a little bit of nice magic and a few other things. Bam, you've got an audience. You've got an audience that believes in you 100%. Now, Harry Houdini came into this to debunk a lot of things. He joined the uh, Physical Paranormal Research Society for many, many years. Uh, and I'll get into that detail here in a little while on what the Physical Paranormal Research Society is. But um, Harry Houdini had realized this. As an illusionist, which borderlines on mentalist, but mentalist is kind of a smaller thing. Illusionist takes it to extremes. As an illusionist, he knew that you could do a lot of this stuff. And he knew it was being misrepresented by the smaller communities in order to make money. That's just the way it was. You had to do this. Um, the gypsy community is a very spiritualist community. They believe in a lot of things. They're a fascinating community, by the way, if you guys ever try to dig into them. Uh, but they also knew that you could easily use that from people that were fascinated with the paranormal and throw some things in front of them and tell them their future or tell them they're talking to their dead loved one and so forth using certain terms of mentalist abilities. And, hey, guess what? They just paid me money. Um, and uh, this, this goes through a lot of things later on, too, which is why people get confused with natural medium abilities and non-natural medium abilities, and also why most of the community will tell you they believe it when they see it. Um, long story short, 
we advanced into the scientific community, eventually advanced beyond the scientific community and so forth. And we deemed a lot of things through college and university throughout the years that most people aren't aware of that resolve things every single day. Some of these are logical results. Some of these are fascinating results. And some of these, believe it or not, still keep in the paranormal realm by going F define L. Whole other story, by the way. The X-Files actually um, are not called the X-Files. And in true government offices, there's a file beyond that that's called the F-File. The F-File means F define L. <laughs> little joke from the inside community. If you guys have ever worked in the military before, you obviously know a little bit about that. But So we're going to move on a little bit. We talked a little bit about the science community. We talked a little bit about how that advanced and, and so forth. And I know I've kind of rambled on about a dozen different things. But um, the paranormal moved up the scientific ladder, going into many, many universities studying ghosts, spirits, uh, debunking UFOs. We all know about Project Blue Book, the several professors that worked in there, the several other people that worked in there. That continued on as well um, to debunk and logically explain a lot of things. We found there was a lot of loopholes and a lot of different things. And we ended up with the F to find no every now and then. In 1982, that fall, that, that fell, that was gone. Now, there's a reason for that in the United States. Europe, it took a little longer, just so that you know. Um, the UK continued that scientific venture till roughly the late 90s. Uh, and there's still a couple of universities that do it now um, that stopped right around 2002, 2003, and then picked it back up here recently within the past five or six years. But in the United States, the term parapsychology fell. The education and, and uh, academic um, community realized a couple of things. First off, parapsychology was only touching base with a handful of each individual situation. For instance, we could talk about physics, but we were breaking into just a handful of physics. We could talk about uh, audio engineering, but we were breaking into a handful of audio engineering. We could talk about um, billions of things, and it really literally covered every aspect of science you could think about, but you couldn't cover it all. So getting a degree in parapsychology meant that you were sitting – and please excuse this when I say this because it's, it's true and not. But in the academic community, it basically meant you were sending out a bunch of idiots that didn't get a chance to learn the whole aspect. So I was only giving you bits and pieces when you could have went directly to this and majored in this. So why would you major in parapsychology? It made no sense. So they said, okay, let's keep the idea behind it. Let's independently utilize the studies, but let's just leave them in, in the individual areas. If an audio engineer wants to study the un, unknown variables of audio engineering in the paranormal side of things, that's fine. But we don't have to call it para, parapsychology. If somebody in uh, astrophysics wants to study the aspects of space and time travel and the unknown factors there, that's fine. Let them do it. But we don't have to call it parapsychology and so forth uh, because it gave you a chance to advance in the theory that you wanted rather than get small bits and pieces of everything and then still be in the end going to a person that advanced in that study beyond you to ask and get your questions answered. It just made no sense. So they dropped parapsychology, and we had a dead area. We had fascination. The community was still fascinated with UFOs. You saw UFO specials go out. 
We had fascination with Bigfoot. You saw Bigfoot specials come out. They really saw anything with ghosts until 2001. Now, in 2001, uh, Discovery actually pulled out one of their first shows, which were a bunch of kids, and I won't mention names. Well, actually, I can't mention names. Put out one of their first shows with Ryan Buell. Before that, there was a couple other shows um, that had kids running around and a few people talking about it. Didn't really kick off a lot. Um, but it had a following. Shortly after this, you had Ghost Hunters hit Sci-Fi and Ghost Adventures hit, I do believe it was Discovery Channel at the time, if not uh, one of the other channels. And bam! Went out the road like a skyrocket. So people started talking about ghosts. They started watching television. They started thinking, you know, I've always wanted to do that. Hey, somebody's out there doing it. I can do it too. But what they didn't tell you is they didn't cover all of the logical degrees of scientific nature that were explained before this. They brought in a few gadgets. They brought in some entertainment. They said you can go out and hunt a ghost. They brought in some night vision cameras to film themselves. And everybody started repeating that process. Now, I'm not downtreading any of that because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm meeting with many, many of these people tomorrow. They work very hard at their jobs. They're very good at it. They deserve the respect. They don't deserve to be hacked and tore apart on TV uh, about how TV's fake or how ratings get to it because TV is TV. Yes, if you're going to watch TV, some things are going to get vent. That's the way it works. Uh, unfortunately, I've had to experience that. Other people on guest shows have had to experience that. You have to get the ratings. And those people that run the TV shows also have experienced that whether they like it or not. It's how far you can take on that moral stance, what you need to do involved in that, how comfortable you are, and sometimes eventually you're still going to come back and say no, and they're going to respect that as well. Um, but it painted a picture that this is the reality of how ghost hunting really works. And I'm going to say ghost hunting because I'm telling you right now, contrary to everybody's belief, there's no difference between a paranormal investigator and a ghost hunter. You're either in the paranormal study or you're not. You're a thrill seeker or you're not. A paranormal investigator is just simply in paranormal study. You isolated the word investigator to stay away from ghost hunting, but what are you doing? You're still going out into a building with a night vision camera, a bunch of gadgets, and you're looking for a ghost. What does that mean? You're hunting a ghost. Until you're truly into paranormal study, you're not going any further than that. What I do is a little bit further than that. Not that I don't, I'm not disrespecting any investigators. You guys do a wonderful job out there. My job is to be in paranormal study so I can advance your job. My job is to sit back and break down every audio level with thousands of pieces of equipment across the building. Set up many, many cameras to record you doing your job. Set up many, many different things to sit behind four or five screens and just sit here and look. While you're out there doing the thrill, thrilling part of it and getting the responses, I'm sitting behind a computer going, hey, that matched up. Hey, that matched up. Hey, that didn't match up. Hey, that didn't match up. Hey, that didn't match up. Hey, that matched up. Hey, that didn't match up. Now I have the data to support everything you guys just did. And the data is free to share with you guys so that you can share it and say, you know what? I did or didn't get anything, and this is why. That's the job of a real paranormal study person. The job of a paranormal investigator or ghost hunter is to go out and do those thrill-seeking because without you, I can't do my job either. It's not easy sitting behind a computer for 10 hours, guys. It really isn't. Um, in fact... I enjoy being out there doing the investigation more than sitting behind a computer because, to be frankly honest with you, sometimes that screen at 
at 12 to 2 a.m. in the morning will make you fall asleep. But somebody has to record all that data so that we can have a match every time you have an exciting situation. Those are the real differences. Those gadgets you have, they may not, there's always skepticism. I don't believe half of them work because I have an audio engineering degree. But I can't prove they do or they don't unless I have the data on my stuff to prove that they do or don't in the first place. You get matches on those. I get matches on mine. We find out we get activity. I get spikes in different levels you're not looking at. By God, we got something here. Let's move further. And that's what real paranormal research and study is about. So those are a little bit of what I was talking about. Let's also talk a little bit briefly here in the next five minutes or so about that term medium, because I know a lot of people probably listening today might get the wrong aspect about what I said on logical mentalism. Now, is there a possibility that true mediums and true gifts work and that you can use some of those abilities yourself in well training while you're reading cards and so forth? The answer is yes. Uh, there is a logical situation, just like there is a logical situation on uh, haunted houses and situations like that, where it's going to go beyond the scientific into the F if I know area, and by God, you really got something going on there. This is why I have people on the show. This is why we got an incredible lineup of people coming on talking about their experiences, because right now we can't explain it all. It's my job to put together the data to try to support either way, then take that and run with it and do what you have to. That's called real science. So how do we do this with mediums? Well, long ago, there was actual psychic research testing. Psychic research testing tested everything from using uh, EEGs on the brain to see if energy spiked when they say they were talking to ghosts, all the way to testing you if you could actually predict a situation through cards and so forth. That's still utilized today. There are theories named involved in this. I won't get into technical detail because it'll blow your mind and you go, what? But if you read the book, you'll actually see the breakdown on these tests. Harvard University still does them. Yale University still does them. Boulder Green University up here still does them every year. They're all areas to test the mind. There are specific questions you can look for. And there are certain people with specific abilities that they shouldn't know those situations. I'm going to tell you I met two of them. I'm sure they won't bother, uh, won't mind me actually mentioning their names, so I'm going to mention their names here in, in, in uh, the, last, uh, the last time of the show. I'm not going to tell you the hours because then you'll get bored with me. <laughs> Lori Johnson and Susan Carter. Now, I can tell you I am not a firm believer in psychic mediumship. Never have been. In fact, I have never seen, up until these two women, anybody that ha has ever broken the 70% rule. 70% rule, just so that you know, is um, randomosity runs below 70%. If you can get 70% above, you're going above the standard randomosity scale, and that means there might be something to it. If you get to 80%, there's definitely something there. If you get to 90%, it's implausible. You shouldn't have been able to do that. Nobody ever hits 100%. Now, in disbelief, speaking to Mrs. Johnson as an example the first time, I did not believe that psychic mediums existed. Lori Johnson got right around 83% accurate with me over the phone, not knowing anything about me, not asking any questions about me, not knowing much more than my first name, pulled out incidents in my life that I told absolutely nobody, just so that you guys are aware, and walked me around my house 
which I have never filmed the inside of all the way and told me exactly where everything was and exactly what I needed to clean. Literally remote viewed the whole house and said, you know what? You really should pick up this. Chris, you know that's a mess. Hey, that needs to be fixed over there. You were aware of that. You can patch that up, you know. I have no explanation for all of that. So I have a lot of respect for her. Let's get into Susan. Susan Carter is a wonderful lady who, again, addressed a medical issue that I had just found out about a day and a half before this and hadn't even told my family about yet. However, over the phone with her, after only talking to her one time before, she specifically told me, you know what, Chris, this is what's going on. I can hear it in your voice. I can feel it in you. Uh, I'm being told right now this is your situation. This is what you got medically going on, and you're questioning what to do here and here. You should do this. And you know what? She was right. I have no idea how she got that information. Fascinating information, though. So there is a possibility that our minds can do more than what we think. And that also plays into the paranormal, psychologically speaking. So when I tell everybody I believe all of this is intertwined, the answer is how, how, how is all of this intertwined? Well, as you will learn if you come to a lot of my speeches, we are raised in historical society a specific way. What do I mean by this? I was raised with a certain religious belief, a belief in the paranormal, a belief in UFOs and so forth. It was handed down to me by my father, which ironically was handed down to him by his father, ironically handed down by him by his father. Culture hands it down. As it hands it down, we believe in a certain percentage of this, i.e., therefore, no matter what happens, we're going to believe it's true. So we have that aspect that intertwines everything. We have another aspect called lost history. Now, if you physically go back far enough into history, you realize that a lot of these, a lot of things in culture has been done, designed, created, and lost. As the cultures advance, sometimes they are defeated, people die, situations change, the culture is almost gone or abandoned, and now you have no idea how 200,000 years before us, the Mayans had a perfect agricultural uh, throughway system, sprinklers in the whole nine yards when we didn't develop it until, what, the 1970s, the 1920s. You have certain situations in culture throughout this process that also show other things. As culture advanced, bam, <coughs> they came up with how to utilize electricity. It disappeared, and guess what? We didn't find it for 500 years later. So that begs the question on whether they found it or whether it came from somewhere else. Bam, paranormal. We'll never know, but we'll look into it. We'll try to figure it out. Could it have been alien? Could it have been something lost? Could we have simply had that knowledge and we hid it from the world for a reason? All of these things become paranormal. They blend into it. Lost culture becomes questions on future culture. Future culture decides to de determine it in many different ways. And if you're starting to think about this in culture, I want you to put this in the back of your mind. We drive cars right now. We put coins in timed meters. 900 years from now, if this society falls and somebody digs up a timed meter in an automobile, what do you think they're going to say it is? It's probably going to be pretty corny. So you have that aspect applying to it as well. The scientific aspect applies to it. 
talking about past, present, and future, all traveling in the same during a quantum realm that travels in different lines, which means the past, present, future, everything is flowing at the same moment, even though time is different for us and the variable time moves up and down. As we look into this, that plausibly links other different things. <clears throat> so, if you ask me, is everything connected? Yes. Bigfoot, UFOs, Mothman, ghosts, all of this is connected. And it's connected through ourselves many times. Much like energy and time and space and so forth, it's all connected. We're here for a reason, we live for a reason, we die for a reason, we rebirth for a reason. We travel on outward for a reason. We rebirth again for a reason. Afterlife is there for a reason. The stories are there for reasons. So we're all connected and intertwined in one way, shape, or form. And so is the paranormal. It's all interconnected and intertwined in one way, shape, or form. We just have to theoretically figure out what's logical and what's not. From a university-educated situation, I can tell you it's mostly logical from the human mind. I can tell you that a lot of things can be resolved and solved. I can tell you fight or flight in other situations apply. Um, from the non-educational level, I can also tell you I have been out in situations that there's no way a college university is going to explain that. Because I can't explain it. So we run into that variable that still makes things paranormal. Now, I don't know if any of this has made sense to you throughout the night, but I'm closing it this way for a reason. And the reason is, while you're out there searching, while you're looking, while you're out there thinking about all of this stuff, put your brain to it. And when I mean put your brain to it, don't be the idiot running around with just a camera and a searchlight and a recorder and, and a REM pod and your spirit box and all this other nonsense going, oh, my God, I got a ghost. Oh, my God, I got a ghost. Oh, my God, I just did this. Oh, my God, I just did that. Because the answer is you probably did not. Odds are that's all been explained off in the first place, and you're not on the right track. Put your brain into it. If you're truly fascinated with the paranormal, paranormal science, paranormal research, and paranormal study, helping people and so forth, and you do agree that all of that is connected, then the only way to utilize that properly, to advance that, to stop that in some means, and to stop that in other means, is not only to work together, but use your mind to solve those problems. Go beyond the situation. And use some real understanding. In order to do this, you're going to realize several times that, yes, we're going to have some things that are way far-fetched. And you're going to run into some haters when you tell them that. You're going to run into some situations where you can't help people because they're beyond your physical help and they need other means. And you're going to run into a few people that get upset you with you about that. And you're going to run out to an outstanding Phenomenal amount of real community that's been here for over 30 years now, working in real UFO study, working in real cryptid study, working in real applications of how quantum physics applied to the unknown realms, uh, working in real science and real activities that are going to love you.
And that is where the paranormal is really processing too. It's a lot more than TV, guys. It's a lot more than aspects of things that um, you can run and gun on. And don't get me wrong. I love television. I love all the personalities. I love meeting them. I love talking to them. I love watching them. Some of them are 100% genuine people. All of them are 100% genuine people, actually, when you talk to them. But uh, if you really want to advance into the study, you're really curious on what's going on and so forth, dig into the books. And I'm not talking the Internet. I'm talking real books, real science, real education. Find out where you're going with this. Advance it further, and then you're good to go. So we've talked about all of that. I've invited you to, to uh, um, the Paranormal OSR event tomorrow. Remember the first five to show up at the booth that say – I listen to you on BBS radio, and the word of the day is education. It receives a gift from me. In the end, as I always do with the show, in the paranormal, realize that truth should always be that reality. What you got from me today, even though it was a rambling mess of people going, oh, my God, Chris, shut up, <laughs> is a little bit of truth and reality. But the paranormal sometimes is not the far-fetched theories that you see. It's not the ridiculous nature that you assume in orbs and spirit-like boxes or spirit boxes and all this other silly stuff. It's okay to play around with that. It's okay to believe that if you want to. But a lot of that is silly nature. It's in the real education, the real digging in, the real science and the real understanding. And hey, as an old friend of mine, Peter Sacco, once said, when you do all of that, who knows? Maybe you'll catch a ghost or two. So remember, truth should always be that reality. That's the show. Have a great weekend. We'll see you at Ohio State Reformatory, and we'll talk to you soon.